Good morning and welcome everybody. You're listening to The Breakfast Show on Faith FM 87.6, 87.8 or 88 right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network wherever you are. Positively different radio in the morning and you are with Lyle and... Minnie. Minnie. How are you this morning? I had the best sleep last night. Oh, really? I was asleep. I was out by 7.30 and then I was up at 4. It was the best. Like, I was so satisfied. I woke up, I was like, yes. <laughs> I am so jealous right now. Right? I was still outside working at 7.30. Nah, nah, I sleep. Actually, it was pretty light when I fell asleep. I just, you know, when you get to the point, I was on the computer trying to do some work and my eyes were falling asleep. So I was like, okay, I'll try to look at a page. Oh, no, nah, my eyes just were falling asleep. Next minute, it was four o'clock and I was awake. <laughs> nice. How are you feeling this morning? Yeah, amazing. Yeah? It's amazing, yes. Yeah. What time did you go to bed? Uh, 9.20. Oh, specifically. Very 20 nice. minutes past my bedtime. Yeah. <laughs> for bre- bedtime for breakfast radio. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah. What are you thankful for today? I am thankful for a big load of timber that I picked up yesterday. Ooh, for got, your Got to pull roof? all the nails out of it, oh, but okay. it's going to work fine. <laughs> yeah, that's good. You know, when that's it doesn't cost anything, you don't look a gift horse in the mouth, do you? No, that's the one. That's the one. Yeah. What am I thankful for today? It was just not far from here as well. We finished work. I texted the guy, went over there, and he's like, yeah, I don't want to throw it in a, in a skip bin. It's going to cost me. So oh, even I'm like, better. thank you. Yeah. And I was expecting it to be just sort of a little bit in the back of the ute, and it was just like a full massive load. Wait, like in a trailer? Like how much? No, I just filled the back of it, like filled the back of the ute really high. Okay, okay. There's still a little bit of it left in the back of the ute now. Oh, nice. But not much. Yeah. Did you get all the nails out? Like, did we able to start working with it or it was just getting the nails out? Just getting the nails out so far. It's a bit of fun. Absolutely. Recycling (laughs) at its best. Absolutely. What am I thankful for today? I saw the nicest sunrise on the way here. You're always thankful for the sunrise. You're not allowed to do the same thing twice. Yes, I can. No, you're not. It's against the rules. Oh, whatever. There's no rules here. (laughs) (laughs) You're listening to The Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Fantastic. Let's have some positively different news. Oh, look, I reckon we could. So, um, oh, I've just lost my... Okay, so 400 years after being wiped out by hunters, Britain's wild cranes are making a comeback. That's cool. Yeah, which makes sense. Like, the more you hunt something, the more it disappears. But yes, So they were wiped out. They were gone. They like, were classified as, as extinct. But they obviously kept some in captivity. Well, this is what I'm not sure. Unless they, Brought I don't them back know, from DNA. From some, no, no, I don't know if they went somewhere Did else. The whole Can Jurassic Park thing. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so they're finding their way back to the wetlands and waterways. Maybe, maybe what it is. Mm. Maybe these are cranes that actually spread across England, Ireland, mm. Europe. Maybe to Europe, yeah. And now they're starting to migrate back. Yeah, let's head back over to England. Yeah. They're doing less hunting over there now, so we might be safe. <laughs> we might survive. There might be some good in habitat there, so we'll get, let's go check it out. Yeah, I'd assume that would make sense. Let's go with confidence in that. Yeah, that seems right. <laughs> so how many years have they been gone for? Like so 400. 400 That's years. a pretty solid amount of time. They seriously hunted those things to... Mm, to extinction. not very So in, like, now that they're coming back, that's also in the context of conservationist really tried to make an effort from, like, 1979. So this is still a few years. In That's the a big effort. Mm. From 79 until now, what's that, 40 years or something or other? It's pretty solid. Like, I mean, it's not 400 years, but that's a, that's a like, a hey. A 40-year effort to bring them back. Yeah. Wow. Um. So there are now almost 200 individual cranes in the country with more than 60 breeding pairs. So there's still not heaps. 
Um, but that's still something. Apparently, these cranes, just in case you want to know something about them, they're famous for their courtship displays. Uh, but yeah, so they're the common crane or the Eurasian crane, and they were driven um, into extinction, like I said. And I guess over the past few years, we've seen there's a bit of a change in mentality about, you know, the wetlands and, you know, how much should, should you protect? We used to call them swamps. Did you? Yeah. Oh. Ah, you see, you're too young to know what a swamp is. No. When I grew up, they were all swamps. The swamps everywhere. You, you, you have a sign on it. There's such and such a swamp. Now you go past and it's still got the same name, but it's called such and such a wetland. Oh, it's no longer a swamp anymore. They've taken a swamp and turned it into something nice. It's not a swamp. It's not, it's a, wetland. It's not a muddy, <laughs> filthy, gross and disgusting swamp. It's land that is wet. Well, but I feel like in my head it is a difference because I've seen places that it does just look yuck and I'm like, oh, that's a swamp. When it looks nice, I'm like, oh, that's a wetland. Oh, it's totally biased based on what it appears like. <laughs> if it's just all a bit like minging, I'm like, mm, that's a bit filthy, isn't it? Like, It's like a difference between a lake and a dam. Like in my head it's a totally different thing. They are a totally different thing. Yeah, but some places are called a lake, which I would look at it and call it a dam. Like... Just are, because it looks gross. Yeah, because one's more yuck than the other. I'll still go on it. I'll still swim in a, like, yuck dam. <laughs> 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 Unless there's proper, like, algae gross stuff on the top. When we, when we were living in our last place, our kids went swimming in the dam one time. And we have a, we had a swimming pool. Yeah. And they went in the dam. Yeah. <laughs> it's like I learned to swim when I was 18 months old because we had a dam on my grandparents' property, which is where I lived with my parents and family, and, uh, yeah, all the older cousins were going in the dam out the back, and I was, like, less than two, and I was like, well, if they're going in, I'm going in. And, of course, mum comes down, freaks out, because she's like, this is dirty water. I'm going to lose this child. And so, yep, instantly I was off to swimming lessons. And was, you've uh, drunk your fair share of dam water. Oh, probably. <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> and survived it. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, but, yeah, so back to this crane thing. Basically, they've just... Yeah, they have been transported into southwest England, but I'm not exactly sure where. It sounds like they had a translocation program that they had some some of these birds in Germany. So I don't know how they got them. Were they just in Germany? Did they find a couple? And I reckon they're the same kind of cranes, but they'd survived in Germany but had not survived in England. Because, yeah. I mean, when you think about it, England is not far from Germany. Oh, no. You know, and it's not far from Europe. So, you know, there'd be cranes that would fly backwards and forwards from time to time, I'm sure. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Makes sense. Yeah. In Same species both sides of the channel. Just bring some back to uh, back over the, side. the western side. Yep, absolutely. Uh, in another story, a 70-year-old grandfather has successfully rowed, as in like hand rowing, a boat unassisted across the entire Atlantic Ocean. Um, he was doing it to raise uh, money for research for on Alzheimer's treatments because his um, brother-in-law died recently um, from that. But I was like, that's a solid row. Yeah, the Atlantic Ocean is a nasty piece of water too. Mm. You know, it's nothing like as big as the Pacific, but there's a reason why the Pacific is called the Pacific in comparison to the Atlantic because it's kind of passive. Is that Whereas why? Are you making up theories? I am not making up <laughs> theories. The Atlantic is a nasty, nasty uh-huh. piece of water. It, ooh, cold, stormy, yeah. just nasty. Yeah. yeah. Pacific can be really nasty as well, but Atlantic kind of has that reputation. It's a fair way across there. That's a, that's a big road. That's a sol- and for like a guy who's 70 years old, I imagine people who are younger wouldn't even maybe want to try that. Not to say that. I would not want to try that. No. I would not. The would you, you, you want to try that? The minute you tell me cold, I'm out. It's <laughs> 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 <was> like, nah. <laughs> but he actually raised a little more than a million pounds. So that's like 
That's decent. Oh, yeah, that's over a million dollars. I don't know how much more, but it's like definitely two million. Okay, yeah, there we go. We'll just double it. Um, raised by about ten thousand different donors, um, including a doubling of the first five hundred thousand pounds. So let's say. So where did he row from to the wide point or the narrow point across the Atlantic? Ooh. Or the so, cold part or the warm part? Look, mm. I don't know okay. <laughs> about that part. See, these are really interesting details. Like they I, are. I, I want to know. I believe you. Um, See, if I was going to row across the Atlantic, I'd row across the equator. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I, maybe maybe <laughs> one of the- your mind. Yeah, maybe not on the equator. Maybe that's too hot. Maybe That'd a be little bit warm. north or a little bit south. Just to let it cool off a little bit. Yeah. You'd have to factor in so much, like what the water currents are doing and like just weather oh, yes. in general. Oh, yes. Yeah, it's a pretty solid effort. But apparently in 2017, he spent five weeks on a deserted island for the the island where Bear, Bear Grylls Channel 4 program. So I guess he's had a little bit of a taste of, do I want to be outdoors? I mean, I guess you'd have to know that to a degree anyway. But yeah, he did a fair bit of training, um, a whole bunch of research, Um you know, into planning for this. And he said that crossing the finish finish line was a euphoric and emotional moment for him, um, which totally makes sense. He had a whole lot of people who contacted him just saying, you know, thank you for, you know, being willing. So to- how long did this take? It took somewhere. I do have that written down. Um, Scrolling through her notes. Busy okay, hold on. Trying to find December right 12 here. to February 6. Oh, that's not so that's bad. That's not bad. Is that right? Have I got this incorrect? No. Yeah, no, that's right. Months. Yeah. But it took 18 months of training. Wow. That's, that's a, incredible. That's a, that's a very solid effort. It'd take you like a month to sail across there. Yeah. <laughs> well, I imagine he would have to be pretty fit. He also, on one on one picture that you saw, he's there in his little Santa hat doing his little row, and I was like, bless your Must have been heart. Christmas Day. It must have been. Seven twelve, yeah. But, yeah, so 3,000 miles away. So wherever it was, low – oh, here we go. I did read it. La Gomera in the Canary Islands to, to – to where did he come to? I didn't write it dead. Okay, I've clearly done a very bad job of this. But <laughs> it's still an interesting that's story. It's a cool story and you're sticking with it. <laughs> that's right. Oh, that's epic. Um, in another news story, I was like – is this a good news story or not? But I just find it interesting. So some vintage tractors. Um, Ooh, you have my attention. In Tasmania, there's two yes. brothers who have been keeping up the steam world um, with these tractors that, yeah, they just run on steam. You have to take two hours to heat them up. Love so it. So they can understand why they- I'm there. Yeah. <laughs> Sign me up. Last about this life. Um, and yeah, and their latest um, edition was a 1920s um, thing that they fixed up. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. Anyway, let's uh, talk about, um, let's talk about, let's go down the crazy hole this morning. Yes, let's go. So according to uh, Dr. John Douglas Belshaw, um, who is a professor at Thompson Rivers University in British Columbia, the latest thing that is racist is lawns. Okay, so so lawns are a symbol of settler culture because we grow lawns and we cultivate grass and we cut the grass, and that's obviously such a settler culture, and so therefore it is racist to have a lawn. No, no, that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> <laughs> 
No. What? All right, all right, all right. It gets better than that because um, the, the the next big sin involved in having a lawn is that we we ha- when we have a lawn, what we're do- doing is actually reorganising the landscape. And that's what settlers do is reorganise the landscape. You know, they, they see a river like, oh, we'll put a dam in the river. So they put a dam in the river so they have more water. That's reorganising the landscape. And so then that's, that's, that's racist because uh, the Indigenous community didn't used to build dams or grow lawns. Wait, I think we need to have an understanding of what the term racist actually means. I, I think there's a few people in the world um, who need to have an understanding of that. It, 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 it gets better here, okay? So it gets better. Um Weeds. Okay, so the the uh, the next thing that he states is that weeds have just as much value as grass, and that we need to listen to their stories because their stories are just as wonderful as other plants. I'll give him this. There are a bunch of weeds in Australia which we do know are actually super beneficial for oh, health. Oh, absolutely. No and I do agree that. that sometimes we have – my grandma did – I can't remember what the weed was, but she pulled out a bunch of things and then later found out they're mad nutritious for some ice, something that she had that it was going to help with. And she's like, I just got rid of them. <laughs> I'll give him that. I'll Probably give him that, that sometimes we don't always know what the plants are that are growing. But yes, that's not racist. You can't but, say that's racist. But – you, you can't have you can't be saying weeds have just as much value as every other plant. No, you know there are some plants. I mean, wheat has more value than weeds. Yeah, doesn't mean that I grow wheat in my lawn. <laughs> you know, Go I mean, out to Lyle's there's house. A, there is a time and a place for everything. <laughs> yes. And basically, what this is is that it is the madness and the insanity that our world um, falls into. Mm. When we reject God and we reject the fact that we are created and we reject the fact that we are created in the image of God and we reject the fact that we have been given by God dominion over the world. Mm. And every culture has been known to grow things, you know, like the, you plant whatever, you plant sweet potato, you plant, yeah, wheat, you plant, you know, different things that you harvest. It's not that nothing was intentionally planted or or um, gathered, you know? Yes, this is right. Absolutely. Okay, so, um, you know, and you start to go down that kind of path. It's like, well, what else did, you know, settlers bring to, say, Australia or America or wherever when they came? And if lawns are going to be racist, then everything else that they brought is also racist. This, I feel like there's a there's an extremity that comes here, right, where you say because you came, everything about you and your ways were racist. That doesn't mean racism doesn't exist or doesn't exist. No, not at but all. But you can't say everything you are and everything you have ever been well, is therefore racist. It's irreducible, isn't it? Because yeah. you can never finish the argument because no. there's always something else. There's always something you know, else, yeah. That's like or saying boats your, your or whole iron or pancakes existence. or cloves or syrup or rice or, you know, I mean, where, do you, where do you want to stop with this? It's all racist. That's right. And you, if by that argument, if you follow it, I mean, if you follow it to the very end of its conclusion, which is sometimes it can't always do, but then by that nature, could you not say that anything exported or imported is racist? Okay, so here's the next thing that is racist. You know? I haven't finished yet. Oh, go on, go on. Okay, so it gets better. Okay, so this one better, is coming yeah. out of the Oregon Department of Education where teachers have been encouraged to learn ethnomathematics because mathematics is racist. What's ethnomathematics? What does that actually mean? Ethnomathematics is mathematics where you don't have right or wrong answers. 
So you're a school teacher, right? <laughs> Minnie's brain just started pouring out that of it. That doesn't make sense. <laughs> okay, so the focus on finding the right answer is a symbol of white supremacy. And so according to the Oregon Department of Education, so this is a statewide, we need to eradicate this from our thinking. Um, and um, they have instituted the Pathway to Mathematics Equity course. They do know that some of our maths came from the Middle East, right? Like that's most of their maths came from. That's the what Middle I mean. East. You can't just say that's a white thing. That didn't it start as a white in thing. Invented Babylon. You know, this just this makes so no sense to me. <laughs> anyway, um, all right. So the concept of, this, this is a quote: the concept of mathematics being purely objective is an unequivocally false. Uh, false, and teaching it is even much less so. The document for Equitable Math Toolkit reads, Upholding the idea that there are always right and wrong answers perpetuate perpetuate objectivity as well as fear of open conflict. That's like going to the store and someone saying this is how much it costs and you're saying, no, that's incorrect. Do you know what I mean? Like, this is how much my food items is. Maybe maybe we do need to make that. (laughs) (laughs) Go to the store and say that's actually... um, Okay. So the, um, let me see, the educators are to, uh, so educators, so school teachers, this is your job, Minnie, is to identify and challenge the ways that math is used to uphold capitalist, imperialist and racist views. Okay, so there's a bit of a list here. There's a bit of a list here. <laughs> ah, wokeness, eh? Um, but, you know, I, sh- I guess we shouldn't laugh at this. Well, I don't know. What else are you going to do if you don't laugh at it? It's, it's kind of is- like professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. And, and yeah. what we are seeing here is a culture that has rejected God out of their thinking. And the bizarre thing about it is that when they first rejected God from their thinking, they accused people of who did believe in God of disbelieving in science. And they're like, no, science, you know, we can only go by what we can see and observe and test and repeat. That's it. Mm. The natural world. Let's be scientific about it. And so they used that then as an excuse to take God out of their thinking. But this is the natural result because when you remove God from your thinking, it it leads to insanity. It's that whole, what are you going to do, chuck the baby out with the bathwater though? It's like we'll take this one thing and if anything negative can be associated to it, therefore it is inherently this terrible evil. Like if we're saying maths. Yeah. Uh, 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 this is, once again, this is the Oregon Department of Education. This is crazy. This is not like, you know, some weirdo crackpot uh, professor in some obscure place just coming up with nutty ideas. This is state education. And, you know, that is actually, oh, no, I'm not going to rant. I just don't <laughs> want to rant. I'm not going to rant. <laughs> Hold me back. <laughs> rant, rant away, Minnie, rant away. Oh. Okay, so they've also identified some other White values, and, and the thing is, it's like, why is it? Why is it always white? Mm, yeah, what? Yeah. Why are white people the only people who have to persecute themselves? We're talking about this yesterday off air, right? That yeah. there, are every culture, every culture, is every racist. culture has been known to have problems with a different culture. Absolutely, every so, culture. At some has point been in history, to some other group of people, unquestionably, yeah. Now, and racism is is horrific and it's evil, and course, we need to state that as clearly as we possibly can. Mm. Um, and you know, when you look at the story of Jesus, who of course came from Asia and was Jewish, mm. you know, 
you have an example of somebody who mixed with people of all kinds of different races and broke down those racial barriers. But you know, we, we take that for granted because we're Christians. That's but that's racism what do. is inherently like by definition, it's I'm superior to you. Okay, so some other white values that need to be eradicated from the curriculum are individualism, work ethic, Christianity. Why that religion, not the others, I don't know. Respect for authority, work before play, delayed gratification and optimism. Those have all got to go as well. That's the world in which we live. Uh, And, of course, you know, the problem is that correct answers imply that there can be incorrect answers, which imply that there is such a thing as truth, which imply that there's such a thing as reality. And that's why we need to eradicate these from our system. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. Fantastic. Well, joining us on the phone this morning is Camilla Scaff. She is the health director for our church in the North New South Wales region. Camilla, welcome to the show. Good morning. Thank you. Good to be back. It's great to have you back again. And Camilla, you've been away for a while. It's been quite some time. You've had some people filling in for you. What's your excuse for having been away for so long? (laughs) We've got a newborn or a new baby in the family now. He's already three months. His name is Antoine, and we are very happy to welcome him. And, uh, yeah, he'll come to the show sometime. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, welcome, Antoine. We are super excited to uh, have you in our region, and uh, we're super excited that your mum can come back to us and talk to us about uh, all things in relationship to health. Now, Camilla, we want to talk about foods this morning and how foods can be good or foods can be uh, bad. Before we do, interesting um news item that popped up yesterday about changing mm-hmm. the star rating. So we have this health star rating on, you know, a number of products that people can choose whether or, whether or not they want to put it on the product where there is a, well, they've decided to change the health star rating on 100% freshly squeezed orange juice to a lower rating than soft drinks like Diet Cola and so forth. What's going on there? <laughs> yeah, I, I can see that we've steered a lot of thoughts. I think that um, just by taking a look at a couple of articles that came in that regard, um, it's interesting how the industry got really upset, the orange juice makers, you know, the agricultures, but as well as the parents that are used to give that orange juice every day to the children. Um, and it's interesting because it always comes to uh, balance and the context to understand whether this is good or bad. So the initiative um, to change the uh, star rating uh, by the star rating system, it's not bad at all. It's actually a positive initiative because um, before they were looking at the, uh, they were doing the star rating, looking at more fat content and not so much in sugar content. Right, so it was more. It was manufactured, and it was looking at you know if you had fiber, vegetables, and again, these uh, star ratings are comparing manufactured or processed foods content. So uh, the 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 motivation it was to show that it's much better for a child or for an adult to have a whole fruit, an orange, an actual orange, than to have. Uh, orange juice because what their research is showing is that in Australia and in New Zealand 
the, the uh, overweight or the obese population is growing and it's actually one of the highest in the world in terms of growth. So they're very much concerned about the health of the population and therefore trying to take measurements. But of course, when you then, you probably would have to revise the whole system because now they basically added the amount of sugar that the product contained and that's why the orange juice was classified as a, a, a very low rating, I think it was a two star compared to five star before because it's taking into account the lack of fiber that is taken out of the fruits and the nutrients, and then, you know, it's basically left with a lot of sugar. Now, obviously, the, the, the dietitians are commenting that this needs to be updated and reviewed because it's not taking in account the nutrients or, um, you know, other things that would be contained. So it's only taking into account sugar versus, you know, lack of fiber, and in some cases, in some products, it's taking into account the process um, uh, process as well as uh, the content, the high fat content. So it's it is not perfect. I think that uh, the sad part of it is that a lot of parents and a lot of people that look into these ratings for guidance are starting to get upset and they feel like they cannot trust the rating. But it's because I think they don't know exactly how it works. And um, and I think they're being rebuked a bit, Alayo, because a lot of parents are just giving way higher amounts of juices than the uh, Australian guidelines, which is a, I think is about 125 mils per day per child or per, per person. And uh, you know, if you look into those cups of juices that people, and, and especially children, are drinking, they are way above that. It's uh, probably around the 375 mils uh, per day, and that would be. Uh, a, a big excess of sugar for a child or a young adult to consume per day. And I think that's what's happening to Australia population. They're thinking, oh, I'm pretty healthy. I'm eating granola. I'm eating yogurt. Um, parents are sending that to school for children and juices. But the reality, when you look at the sugar content, that's making these people um, obese and, uh, and, and gaining weight without their perception because they think they're being healthy. Mm, mm. Now, if we compare that then with, um, say, Diet Coke, which doesn't actually have any food in it, it has water, it has sugar, it has chemicals, it has caffeine, how does that get a half point higher star rating than the orange juice? <laughs> yeah, that's the irony. Hey? That's really the irony and where they must review because Diet Coke has no nutrients. It's probably, I mean, they will... In- infuse things there and they will say oh yeah that there's calcium or there are things that they put on but the reality is that they're not taking into account the high amounts of caffeine that is in Diet Coke and it's uh, so when you look at Diet Coke or even sugar free Cokes some people will say I'm going to banking that because it will make me um, at least I won't get the sugar content but I've seen people that are highly addicted to Diet Coke because of the contents of caffeine in it. And not only to mention the chemicals in it that will, you know, pretty much invade your body and uh, not only make you addicted, but research is, there's not that much research into those things because the industry is quite high. And as you can imagine, the 
farmers are upset now because of the orange juice rating. Imagine if they were to change the soda industry um, ratings. That would be a war as well. So I think that we have to look for the information and understand, Lyle, because the industry and the people that are making money off of people that are consuming these products, they don't care about health. They will care about selling their products. But the people that are consuming are responsible and need to, you know, understand more and study about these. And I would say, especially the government needs to take care of its people because at the end of the day, if they, um, if they send mixed messages, people start, uh, they stop trusting the system. And then it's kind of like throwing, throwing the, the baby with the bathwater. And you kind of, you know, and people are just going to start doing things um, based on their own. Um, education. So I would say for myself and my family and for people that are listening, um, we really got to research and get educated in this. Um, and I want to kind of a, a throw a, a little advertising out there if you advise, if you if you let me. Um, obviously, we're not making money with these, but as a church, we offer education to our church and communities on what is the best foods to consume. Because I think at the end of the day, we need to be responsible for our decisions and really not really trust what the government or what the ratings or what the agriculture are saying because everybody's got their um, kind of side of the story and the interest in whatever they're doing. And we need to be having the main interest in our family and our own health. Mm, mm. And I guess, you know, for the parent at the end of the day, because, I mean, I find it confusing uh, and I imagine that mm-hmm. there'd be a lot of other parents out there that would find it confusing. At the end of the day, if you just throw an orange in the lunchbox, you can't really go wrong with that, can you? You can't. And that's what I, I always advise people is that the best diet and not a diet, it's a lifestyle to choose is the whole food plant-based. As close as you can get from the tree, as close as you can get from the garden and the natural, how they are, you know, made naturally and created by our creator. It's the best way and you cannot go wrong. Um, And I just wanted to comment in terms of like what it means, why is he saying that orange juice got a high sugar content? Because I also see a lot of moms and people that are uh, going on diets and they're uh, going sugar-free, which I, I think it's amazing. Like, go sugar-free, yes, that's great. But a lot of people start saying, I'm not going to eat banana because they're high in sugar. I'm not going to eat an orange or an apple because they're high in sugar. And it's a, a, a really high and a, a great distinction between having juices and having the whole fruit. Because the whole fruit is packaged with the fibers and the essential nutrients. And so the sugar content within a fruit, it's called in- intrinsic sugars. That doesn't count the same as the sugar that is breakdown that is uh, from refined or from products that are they pretty much they concentrated. That's what juices are concentrated. Because, for example, in a cup of orange juice, there's probably about seven oranges. I mean... In a, in a, in the one that yeah, you make wow. at home, in the one that you, in the one that you buy, there's probably, you know, three, four oranges, but sometimes what they do, if you look into the process, they will store just the, pretty much the water and the sugar part of it. And they will add some water. And then later on, they might add a little bit of pulp, which is like the little fiber content and then some, you know, things to keep it fresh. So at the end of the day, that's not, it's a really far away from what a fruit would give you when you buy the manufacturer problem. 
product. If you drink very low amounts of juice, there would be no problem. But because it has high concentrated sugars, if you drink above 125 mils, then it's already above the um, intake that is recommended. Um, but when it comes to fruit, as you said, yeah, send a piece of fruit. If you send one whole fruit, and actually we are, um, it's uh, widely um, accepted that people should be eating three fruits a day, whole fruits, right? And the interesting thing about fruits is like, if you take, if you try to eat seven oranges, you're going to be full. Mm-hmm. Like That's I get sure. full after three oranges because the, the fiber content is telling my body that I'm having enough. And so I feel I, I start having that satiating, just feeling, you know, you don't need it anymore. But when you're drinking juice, you can drink two cups of juice if you're really hungry or thirsty and not feel it. And then you're really having the sugar content of equivalent to 14 fruits. So um, another way of looking at the sugar content to be educated in terms of when you're consuming food, especially the healthy foods, it's you look into um, the sugar content. And for every four grams of sugar, it's equivalent to one teaspoon. So, and the maximum intake letter for women should be six teaspoons a day equivalent. And for males, about nine teaspoons a day. That's kind of like tops. So, and obviously it varies depending on the size of the person, but I'm just being generic here. And so for me, if I'm having um, any, any product that has sugar, I usually look at the one serving content. And if that serving is more than six teaspoons, which is the majority for sodas, for example, for drinks, soft drinks, I don't have that drink because I know if I had that drink, I'm having more than my sugar intake for the day and I'm not allowed to eat fruit, for example. But the fruit shouldn't be counted as that because that they're packaged. So the, my advice is just eat whole fruits or whole um, vegetables instead of just the concentrated ones. Um, and if you're going to drink juice, I think the preference is for cold pressed or juice that has some kind of pulp and just not have high amounts, just have little bit. Yeah, I think that's fantastic advice. And I find it just amazing that, you know, we have all of these foods that come pre-packaged and within the package is all of the different components that you need to be able to deal with the sugars and or to deal with the fats and to make it actually work in a really positive way for your body. Camilla Scaff, thank you so much for joining us this morning and talking about this was a, a news story that is just breaking right now and uh, it's, handy, it's, it's useful to get some really good uh, practical advice. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.